Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic, and welcome back to episode 304 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast. And yes, my voice is complete trash today, so I uh, thank you for your patience bearing with me. But it is Chosen of Valhalla stream number one, and I will be introducing my Chosen in just a second. Uh, before though that I do that, please make sure you smash that like button and light up that fire button if you're watching over an Odyssey. Because of my voice being in the state that it is, I'm obviously going to allow for my chosen to uh, to pick up some of the talking today. So, with that being said, I'll go ahead and introduce everyone of the chosen who has showed up so far, and we'll introduce the others if any others do show up. But first off, the modern major general of the channel, Laura Story. Laura, Hi there. Good, good. Thank you very much for having me today. Of uh, no pressure at all. <laughs> I know, right? It's no pressure at all because y'all have to start to pick up some of the slack where my voice is not going to be able to keep up. Yeah, I've always considered myself a wingman, personally. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. The wife is the uh, funny one, and I just, uh, I just stand there to add on to whatever she is to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, I think today the, the wingman's going to have to step up a little bit. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for being here, and uh, I really do appreciate it. All right, we also me. have joining us today from the road, so his volume might be a little low. I think he uh, played around with some things, but we'll see. Uh, and that is the K-Man. K-Man, how's it going? I'm doing good. Can, can y'all hear me now? Oh, it's even worse. <laughs> I don't even know what's what's going on because it's like barely anything on my end, at least. Let me uh, is there anything coming through now? You are, again. Can... You're coming through, but still pretty low. Uh, by the way, Tina, you are here. I just haven't put you on screen yet. Uh, so yes. Tina, Hello, that's Tina. what you want to because you're you're because I see you're freaking out in the in the main chat. You're you're here, you're just not on the stream yet. Uh you're 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 in the the background right now. I'm I'm introducing y'all. Uh but anyway, uh K man, hopefully we can get your your volume sorted out uh throughout the stream. Uh but thank you for being here and joining us from the road. All right, and joining us officially now, she is the Empress of the Universe. She is the amazing Valkyrie Tina B. Tina, how's it going? Now you're in the stream. <laughs> hey, Tina, you're in the stream now. She's typing furiously. I know, that's a, that's some furious typing going on from Tina. Tina, we can hear you. She might need to put her headphones on. There we go. I just told her. Yeah, no, oh, she, she, she might be I listening. <laughs> I don't know. Am I here? Yes, you, you are. are here. Okay. Welcome. I don't know why it wouldn't let me in. Hi. No, Happy so, so Tina, Tina, you were in, but you were backstage. Oh, so, okay. Well, I hope you all didn't hear me drop that f bomb. Oh no, 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 no. Once you're <laughs> when you're backstage, uh, we can't hear anything that people backstage say. And um, it doesn't again. Not not until I let y'all in does does that oh, happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, but welcome, Tina. How how oh, are you doing? Well, welcome. Hi. Happy yeah. Thanksgiving to everybody. Yes. And yeah, I'm doing good. Got good. my uh, got my dressing made and got nice. my 
uh, sweet potatoes baked. I can make my casserole tomorrow. So. Okay. <laughs> nice. So. <laughs> Well, very good. Glad to have you here. My voice. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, my voice is complete and utter trash. Don't worry, people. Don't worry, people. I I I'm aware of that. Uh, luckily, it does not hurt. It just sounds terrible. It sounds worse than what it actually is. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but because it is the week of Thanksgiving, and because I I had an off day today, I figured it would be a good day to have kind of part one of the chosen stream because i know that uh usually right when we have our chosen stream not everyone can always make it and so having the split into two i feel like gives people the best chance uh to be able to uh to make time to be able to to jump on and so i'm very thankful that laura uh k-man and tina are here today and uh andrew hoyle might show up uh, uh one of one of the many reasons why i was trying to work out times was so that andrew hoyle could join us um but he wasn't. Res he was responding to everyone else in other sections of the Discord, except for me. Until uh, Tina got on him about it, and so uh, I thank you for <laughs> Tina for for pushing him to actually respond. But anyway, uh, again, thank you all for being here. Whether you're watching on YouTube, D Live, Odyssey, uh, or on Twitter, uh, really does mean a lot for y'all being here. All right, so let's go ahead and go around the horn and see what people have been watching recently. And uh oh, I hear an echo. I hear an echo too. I don't know who changed something. Anyway, so I think it's gone now. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with Laura. Laura, you've been watching anything recently? I know that you're kind of a, a movie buff, like I am. Going like to go into the theater, actually see a film there. So, what have you seen recently, and what are your thoughts? Oh yeah. Um, so I went to see. We were looking around for something to watch, and there was a week uh, where there just wasn't much in the theaters. And uh, came across this Bollywood action movie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I just had this really weird, like, long name. It was Suravanchi. And um, so I pulled up the trailer to see what it was about. And, um, yeah, it's... <laughs> So, you know, we all think Bollywood movies, we think about, you know, the, the large singing uh, and dancing with the large groups of people. And uh, so I pulled it up and it was like a straight on serious, like 90s action movie, but um, had this, you know, nice long trailer. So I was like, that sounds good. I'll go watch that. It was playing at a local theater. And uh, <laughs> it was it was it was so weird. I mean, it was weird, like in a good way, weird, you know. <laughs> so um, I, I've stumbled into what is called the cop universe in the Bollywood um, arena, where <laughs> um, they've had all these different. Uh, it started out with a uh, cop. Okay, so wait, let me go back. So. <laughs> so <laughs> Let me let me circle back to that. Let me go back. So Suravanchi is a police detective in India, and he's trying to protect um, Mumbai from a a bomb attack that's being planned. And um, the, this is actually part of an entire series of movies they call the Cop Universe, where the first one, um, what was his name? So the the first one was uh, Simba, I believe. He was, he was a police captain. You know, kind of doing the same thing, fighting against terrorism and crime and stuff like that. And then there was a, a second one whose name escapes me at the moment. 
And this is the, the third or fourth movie in that series. So it was, you know, it was a kind of a typical action movie where the, the guy did his own stunts and he did his own fighting. And, um, but then like in the middle of the movie, he does this like romantic song and dance with a love interest. And then there's all this like weird comedy in, in the middle. Um, I think Cayman saw it also because we were all joking around in discord about it. That it 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 was um, it was really interesting. I mean, even though there were subtitles, you could kind of follow along the gist of the movie. Uh, you know, you didn't really have to read all of the subtitles because it was pretty straightforward. But uh, I have I a lot it. more respect. I have a lot more respect for you uh, when you said subtitles, um, because obviously uh, the debate is always over subbed versus dubbed, and uh, there's a very strong contingency of people who much prefer the subs, right? Because you actually get to hear the natural, unlike mine, the natural voices, right? In their actual language. And so you get the actual emotions of the people rather than the uh, English, you know, trying to convey the same emotions, but sometimes just completely epically failing uh, for a wide variety of reasons. But that's interesting that it has a 90s action film feel to it. Yeah, it was, um, oh, I remember the name. The first guy was Simba. And he's just this gigantic guy. And, um, you know, he played kind of like a, a neighborhood cop who kept all the bad guys in line. So he, I, I watched about half of his movies on Netflix. I watched about half of it. it you know, same thing. You know, the, the, the leading man is very strong and, and uh, you know, it, he has a love interest who they end up having a, a love song it, kind of in the middle of the show and uh, dancing. Which is, you know, it's like these guys kind of do it all. You know, they, they do their own stunts. They're, they're doing a lot of martial arts. They're doing all their fighting scenes. They're singing. They're dancing. It's, it's, it's quite a show. <laughs> so there's 90s action and there is also music in it, too. Like, there's, is there singing and, like, is there a big singing and dance number as well? Oh, yeah. In the, um, in, in the Suravanchi movie, uh, they do a love uh, a love song, and then he does a song later, and then the girl does a really uh, good song and dance. She's like dancing in the rain and flinging her hair around. Of <laughs> it course, very yes. entertaining. <laughs> the way it should be, one could say. The way it should be, yeah. I mean, it's a bit. It was funny because the the bad guys in the movies were Muslims who had come over from Pakistan who were trying to bomb Mumbai and they must have said like a dozen times, they were like, we love all Muslims. You know, they were like trying to make a point that this wasn't some kind of like disagreement with Muslims in general. It's like they, they must've said it uh, a dozen times. They had some cops who were working in India, but who were Muslim. So they kept, <laughs> it was like, we're not going to take any grief for being anti-Muslim here. We just, you know we love we love everybody guys so i thought that was pretty funny yeah you kind of feel like they're almost their hand was almost forced like if they were going to try and and play that off they had to kind of you know be able to make up for it in some way by saying we are not saying that all <laughs> you know it's like i don't know i, th I think that's kind of interesting and yeah um, it, it, the, it you know it worked it was like these weird shifts in the tone of the movie but for i don't know it just that just may be the way the way that bollywood movies are because uh the simba movie was like that and the um singham movie it just uh it worked i don't i don't know it's just maybe the way they do their movies okay but 
I was surprised how crowded the theater was. And everybody was like really into it. And you had said, I think, that what was kind of surprising for you especially was that it was not purely a, an, an Indian crowd either. That it was actually uh, yeah. a lot of, uh, you know... Uh, you know, essentially a, a mixed group of people, right? So including a lot of white people, I'm assuming, that were in the theater yeah, as well. Yeah, just about half and half, which I was wow. like, oh, wow, this must be like a thing. Yeah. Um, but it was, <laughs> the funniest part was, um, okay, so we've had previous movies with Singham and Simba, and halfway through the Suravanti movie, you know, they get introduced to kind of come and help Suravanti fight crime, and they... <laughs> They have these like ridiculous over the top entrances where like one the the car comes uh, this police car comes smashing through this wall and Simba's like laying on the hood of the you know car just like you know here I am <laughs> and then Singham he's he's the coolest one he's got like this cool stash you know and he um his entrance his the car comes in and it starts to spin and as it's spinning he like jumps out you know, and starts like firing his, uh, his guns at the bad guys. So nice. <laughs> I mean, that it's, you know, it's fun, one of those things Well, when it switches into dramatic mode, it's, it's amazing how, how good the actors are with the drama. And then, you know, same thing with the comedy. It's like, they can kind of do it all. I mean, yeah. I, I felt, you know, I thought it would kind of be like, I was thinking about it. It's like, it's weird that it worked as well as it did, but mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like the comment at the end about the acting as well is it's one of the reasons why I, I have a lot of skepticism about, I don't know if you've, if you heard this in the news, but they are apparently are doing a American remake of train to Busan and it's going to be like train to New York or something like that. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Like, like I, I know the one thing other than just the concept being stupid, the one thing that is just going to be terrible is you know they're just going to cast terrible actors who are not going to be as good as the original actors from from the original uh, South Korean film. You know, it's just it's crazy how mm. uh, you know how how they just for some reason just don't seem to get it. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, Train to Busan, and uh, I did rewatch Squid Game. Uh, mm. I think that's the third time. <laughs> nice, but every time you get so much more out of it, you know. Mm. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I look forward to, um, I got to finish the Singham movie and then I can't find the Simba movie anywhere, but, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure the, uh, the Suravanti movie will probably be on Netflix eventually. I think it was like sponsored by them or, you know, they're doing okay. stuff everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. Cause you know, Netflix is kind of known for bringing everything in like, like again, everything in. So it would not surprise me if they had like some deal with with a lot of Bollywood directors and were like sponsoring them like to have a theatrical run and then comes exclusively to Netflix. Yeah, the uh, you know it's like the Singham, he's more of the serious one. The Simba guy, he is the comic relief. Mm. So his his movies were funny. And yeah. then uh I don't know, Suravanti is kind of a mix of everybody. <laughs> every, every time he does some he has like his own, they all have their own theme song. Right. So every time he does something dramatic, you hear the guys in the background going, Suravanchi. And then the, <laughs> da, 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 his little theme starts. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that actually sounds like a really fun time. It was. 
there are some other movies coming out um you know in that same vein in the future so it's going to be yeah. fun something uh, new yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, for sure and, and it's it's we feel like there isn't a lot of you know new original content really coming out these days so it's mm-hmm. interesting because you know i obviously i don't have much of a knowledge of the history of hollywood but i'm kind of wondering if if they're falling into a similar problem or if everything that they come out with because they come out with so many films in a given year if all of them are like original or at least original in in concept uh with maybe like some derivatives of, of another film or you know like not necessarily completely remake like the train to busan one for instance um but actually uh you know it's interesting just how much more talent there seems to be in every other part of the world uh compared to hollywood yeah it was um it was really fun to watch there was i have to if anybody watches this movie um there's a car chase scene in the towards the end of the movie that was obviously cgi very badly so it's you know it's not perfect but it was entertaining yeah well i imagine the budget for that film is is probably not anywhere (laughs) near some of the budgets of these hollywood films which we all know have been uh pretty bad especially this year kimana are you are you here did you watched it in the theater didn't you did you no no because they the only thing tina i didn't realize your name was (laughs) k-man oh did you say k-man oh i'm sorry because I'm I'm looking off to the side. I was looking at something else. I'm sorry. You were th- you were thinking about the Thanksgiving feast, weren't you? No, I'm kind of watching Midnight's Edge out of the corner of my eye, and they're ripping oh. Masters of the Universe apart. Oh, so so you so you're watching competition. That's that's what I just is. heard. Yeah, I'm wow. multitasking, and plus wow. I'm looking at recipes too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I don't know whether to be impressed or hurt by by that. Well, you're in there yeah. somewhere, Odin. So I know, I know. At yeah. least, at least, at least, I'm I'm up somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but I got yeah. So, uh, K Man, because I know you've been kind of dropping in and out. Uh, did you get to see it in theaters? Oh, oh no. Is he gone again? Oh, poor K Man. Yeah. For anyone watching, he's been trying to uh, to connect from his car. He's on the road. And unfortunately, it looks like there's there's a lot of technical issues there. But uh, well, came uh, in. Just jump in if you get reconnected. Just yeah, yeah. just talk over me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, still not. But uh, since uh, K-Man's still uh, not hearing him yet, uh, so Tina, had you heard anything about these movies? I had from Laura. Okay. And then I looked at the trailer, and I was like. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Daniel Craig, Tom Cruise, step aside. The real men are in town. So, no, it's only playing at the Cinemark right now. And the performance is like nine or 10 at night. And I'm not going over there and taking a chance. I can't get an Uber home. Mm. So, yeah. I would love to see it, though, because it looks, it looks fantastic. Yeah. K- I mean, K-Man, I think like. You hear? Oh, came in? Oh no! Still can't hear you, dude. Oh, Just well. let us know in the Discord if you want to jump in. Yeah, Discord or um, in the private chat as well uh, over <laughs> here on Restream as well, where uh, of course you can have you know fun private conversations behind my back, but in front of my back because I can see it. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so uh, Laura, what were you about to say? Uh, oh uh, yeah, it's just like I can't imagine any 
actor in Hollywood who could do these roles as good mm. as these guys did. I mean, dancing, singing, dramatic acting, and comedy. Yeah. Hmm. When you think about it, too, I mean, because you mentioned Squid Game, you know, Lord knows that they're going to eventually try and do like an American remake of that as well, um, if they haven't started already. And so <laughs> you, you think about the, the characters in that and you're like, I can't see anyone being able to, as just as you said, pulling off those characters in the same way. And it comes down to the fact where, well, yeah, because they're made by specific directors with certain characters in mind. And there are huge cultural differences between mm -hmm. us and between, you know, a lot of these films and a lot of these uh, projects that are coming out, whether it's South Korea, whether it's Bollywood, whether it's Japan, right? Obviously, there's a, a huge, um, very uh, uh, large fan base of anime and manga as a part of the Asgardian community, I know. And so I think that all of these things, you know, when you see them get adapted, they're just not the same. I mean, uh, I can think of a horror film remake, for instance, uh, called Quarantine, which was a shot for shot remake of a movie called Wreck or Record. And it was a Spanish film. And I remember essentially it was almost exactly a shot for shot remake of it. But because it was trying to translate something that was made by and for different language and culture, it's just not going to translate in the same way. And, um, you know, though some, I think, have said that it's one of the better adaptations. I, again, some might disagree with that, but I've heard some people say positive things. Um, it, it's still one where I, I think that's kind of where the issue is, is, is really not able to, you know, carry over. You can't you can carry over writing, hmm. but you can't carry over characterizations and you can't carry over culture. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you South Korea is in a unique place because, I mean, it's kind of a new capitalistic country. I mean, relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have... I, I didn't realize that um, Korean is a it's a completely unique language. Hmm. It's, it's not like, you oh. know, all of the... The languages in, in Europe are kind of connected to each other. They all co come from a common root. That there's some languages where they don't know where they came from. They're just unique, and Korean is one of those languages. So it's it's a different kind of culture. Yeah. Um, what like every place is, but mm -hmm. I don't think I don't think a lot of the anti-capitalist arguments are going to translate as well as people think that they will. Yeah, and and it's also one of those things too where. You know, people call out the anti-capitalist messaging of, you know, something like a, uh, you know, squid game. But then you're like, yeah, but it's it's being sold to make money to make money. So <laughs> at, at the same time, it's like that, that argument can only really go so far. And I think that it's more like kind of it's the same argument kind of like with Parasite, which I know um, Tina mm. is not not a fan of at all. Um, but, you know, it's not just Tina. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Not just Tina. But I think out of you didn't everyone. You like it either? No. I think out of wow. everyone on the panel, I think we could all agree that if there's anyone who hates it most, it's Tina. Um, <laughs> but even in that movie, right, there's there's class distinctions, right? And some type of even, you know, like as you can almost say class warfare in a certain respect. But even in that film, there's so many nuances because it doesn't show the impoverished in an incredibly positive light. You know, like they're they're not by any means heroes in in that story, and so it, it's I think that sometimes we just we we attach ourselves to very specific things and then ignore other things as well, and I think that that can sometimes lead to us almost uh, 
you know, missing the forest for the trees, as it were, um, in my own view. Yeah, I think it's, you know, people need to be really careful when they talk about supplanting a system, no matter what that system is, you know, the family, uh, capitalism, uh, the Constitution of the United States. It's like, okay, well, tell me first what you're going to replace it with. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. so many people who are anti-capitalist, it's like, well, I, you know, if you come up with something better, you just let us know because, uh, mm -hmm. you know. It, that that's a huge problem I have with a lot of people who are anti. Yeah, it's like you're just anti. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't you don't have a solution for any of these problems. We're just going to blow everything up and see what happens. Yeah, it's it's, it's like, the Fight Club mentality, right? It's just mm -hmm. like let's just completely um, you know blow everything up, but then there's never a okay, what do we do from here? And I think the assumption is well, it no matter what it is, it's going to be better, but that is not necessarily true because. When you tear down an entire system, it means that you're going to leave some people in power. And when you blow things up haphazardly, you don't know who's going to be in power. You don't know if you're going to like those people who are in power. And in the end, it could actually end up leading to a much worse system overall. Um, so there's right ways of doing things or wrong ways of doing things for sure. Um, but yeah, it's again a very interesting discussion that I don't think uh, a lot of people typically you know think all the way through. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much going on in Squid Game that I mean, I've seen extensive videos breaking breaking down the different games and the different levels, and you know, there's a lot there to analyze. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there about it. Um, oh yeah. Let's see what else. Should I, oh, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife, of course. Yes. Um, so what yes. were you uh, a thumbs up, thumbs down on that film? Oh God, it's great. You know, it just yeah. it. The feel, you know, like the vibe of the movie, it's just like, this is this is what movies in the 80s used to be like. It's, you know, just fun. Um, yeah, you know, there, there were a lot of people crying towards the end of the movie. And uh, it just shows that, you know, a lot of these movies that were made when I was younger, they just have such emotional staying power. You know, they, um, they're, they're not limited to any specific... Um, you know, decade. Like you could go and watch. I did. I rewatched Ghostbusters, and I'm like, it's it's just as good. You could watch this on TV today. I could show my daughter this, and she would enjoy it. So, yeah, there there's a, a timeless quality uh, to a lot of '80s films. By the way, um, I finished one '80s film today, actually. Um, oh, fun. Earlier, yeah. Uh, well, you you say oh fun, but uh, it's gonna get me in trouble. Uh, with oh no, it's because uh, it was. I finally finished um, a, a movie that I started and was not really liking all that much. And I can say that um, I, I am still not much of, of a fan. However, I, I definitely have more positive things to say about it. And that, of course, is the film Excalibur. Uh, yeah. from 1981 for those who maybe have been missing that, that conversation or that inside <laughs> joke, but I'll, I'll get to that in a little, in, in just a little bit, but there is something I think special to, especially like mid late eighties films. And I think that you're right. Afterlife kind of captures that and it helps when there are these elements. And, and I talked about this with uh, Michelle from force of light on Saturday, where we uh, talked about like the music cues, right? They have cues from the original yes. score that made mm -hmm. it in. And it, that especially, I think, kind of lifted that 80s vibe as well, because you're like, oh, I'm just getting all these flashbacks to the original uh, film. And it's great. The one song I did miss is that piano piece that they play. It's, it's the Ghostbuster song. Like, I think when they're going out on their first 
um, on their first run. They they didn't play that in the Afterlife movie, and I was kind of looking forward to it. So okay, Ugh. yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but um, I'll have to to look and see. Um, I'll have to listen back to it because I think I know what you're talking about. Because is that something that plays? I want to say it might be in the second film. Uh, maybe it is in the first, but it's when uh, Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray's character are talking like out in the street. Is that like the piano piece you're talking about? Hmm. No, it's kind of jazzy. It's upbeat, and it's okay. right it, right when you first see the Ghostbusters logo on the side of the uh, um, Echo One in the first movie. Okay, it's like Ghostbusters coming to clean up the town. Oh yeah, and then the <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> don't make me sing. Don't, don't make me. Sing. Don't make me sing. Um, <laughs> definitely don't make me sing because it's gonna. No one's gonna yeah, be happy. That would wreck yeah. you right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I would sound even more so like Harvey uh, Firestein uh, than than usual. So, and shout out to anyone who knows who I'm referencing there, because anyone who knows the name Harvey Firestein must be a fan of at least some musical theater or theater in general. And I salute you if if you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ghostbusters Afterlife really, I think, just just kind of hits a lot of really great emotional points. And what were your thoughts on the younger cast? Because I know there's been there's been some, I think not controversy necessarily, but some disagreement over the focus on the younger actors in it. What, what were your thoughts about them? Oh, no, it's, I thought they all did a great job. A podcast and uh, Phoebe. Uh, don't remember mm-hmm. the actress's name. Sorry. Yeah. But, no, I don't, yeah. I don't see anything to complain about. I, I don't. Um, yeah. I mean, the, they did put a lot of weight on that girl to, to care. She seemed to carry a lot of the movie and, and did a fantastic job. So, there's a, what was it Jeremy John said? She's going to need to take a break after this movie for carrying the entire movie on her back. <laughs> and I, yeah. I would totally agree with that assessment as well, right? Yeah, Jeremy Johns was really off the mark on this movie. That's that's weird of him. We, I normally kind of concur yeah. with a lot of what he says, but yeah, normally <laughs> he's he's pretty good um, on a lot of things. But as we all know, right? Not everyone is is always going to have <laughs> the best takes in the world, you know. I yeah, some, sometimes there's a beloved 80s classic that uh, exactly. people just uh-huh. don't like. Uh-huh. Sometimes there's a 1981 yeah. classic, or so-called classic, I should say, that some people uh, really enjoy. No, that strikes so-called. It is a classic. You can't help it if your taste. Okay. Well, to, to, get in, to get into it. We were talking um, about legend, right? Like We, we were talking no, about legend, it, right? I, no, legend came out in the 90s. I, I, it was, yeah, I know it was, it was more so a recall to last night's uh, conversation. And when you said, who was it that he said was in legend? And I was like, oh my God, what is he talking about? So there is a movie and I want to say it's called legend with, um, oh my goodness. Why am I blanking out? Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah, Tom the Hardy. Dude. yeah. Um, I want to say it's called legend. It's where he plays two characters. He plays himself and, and, and his brother. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's called legend. So that's why I was very confused because I was like, I didn't know that was Ridley Scott. And wait a minute, director's cut of that. Why would anyone want that? And then like, I looked down at one point and I'm like, Oh, literally it's staring me in the face because I, I got it from, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and it's, and it's Ridley Scott. So he's probably got a billion other cuts of it that we've never seen before. And they will be coming mm-hmm. in the next few years. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's just, yeah, I remember. Yeah, the Gladiator sequel, right? I mean, 
he keeps oh, threatening he keeps threatening us with that somebody needs to take care of him and kk <laughs> immediately before yeah. they terrorize us and by further. take care of uh i just, just for you know that the sake of you know <laughs> what, liability reasons. what we mean what, what we mean is, is he should he should be put into like an old filmmaker's home right where where you know yes. nothing bad happens to them yes. they they just they can't make movies anymore because yes. it would just be detrimental to our own psyches and society if they did so agree yeah. <laughs> that's wink. what you meant wink wink <laughs> Oh, you all couldn't see me wink. But no, I agree about the assessment. Going back to the, the original point about about the young kids, yeah, I, I mean they were so uh, so great. And uh, I don't know about you, Laura, but I laughed at I laughed at every single one of her jokes. <laughs> I know. Just, just there's nothing worse than a good bad joke. Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. Well, it was it was dad jokes, dad jokes being said by a small child. I, I don't know what's not to be, you know hilarious about that i just thought that the dichotomy was pretty great oh yeah everybody was everybody in the theater packing up. just mm -hmm. it's just it's weird to see comedic timing like that in, the, in a young kid you know yeah absolutely yeah and i mean that i think it was the first one she said where she like added that very perfectly timed wink and it's just like <laughs> oh yeah that's just that's so that's so great and and uh, it's crazy that that's the same actress that played young Carol Danvers in Captain Marvel. And obviously, I mean, that was nothing. Like, as a role, that was, like, drop in the bucket. Like, small, like, very, very small uh, role in general. Because I think that version, like, that age of the character only gets so much screen time. This is, like, a full-fledged, she is the lead, right? And as, as Jeremy Johns rightly correctly said, she carries the film. Uh, mm -hmm. And she does a great job. You need to have a young actor that has that capacity. My only concern for her, if I had any negative, is that, okay, now we see how talented she is. And now I'm, I'm worried about uh, what's going to happen to her as she goes through Hollywood. Because we all know, right, Hollywood is, is a disgusting, terrible place. And when you have young performers who give performances like this, they get a lot of attention. They tend to be like... Can use and abused in a wide variety of ways. You know, obviously you can think about some of the worst extremes out there, but even just in a general sense, being put into every other film that comes out, right? Being uh, typecast, being, and, and it leads to a lot of uh, emotional damage, even at the more like, you know, uh, I guess basic outside level. So that's like the only negative thing I would say is that, okay, now people know how talented she is. And so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I hope that she's able to, have a good manager. Hopefully she has great parents as well who will be able to like guide her through that and guide her through the now, you know, uh, she's going to be very well known, right? She's, she's famous at this point. I mean, it's not the biggest film in the world as far as box office goes, but it's, it's pretty big still. Yeah. I'm reading a really good book right now by um, Ron and Clint Howard about, mm. uh, I think it's called the boys. It's okay. uh, I think Tina, I think you'd enjoy it. it. It tells the behind the scenes story of, you know, how, they got into acting and how their parents were there i guess their parents were also actors um you know never got famous or anything but how you know his dad helped guide them through hollywood and how they saw kid actors who you know didn't do well who had bad parents and I, i'm only a couple chapters in but it's really entertaining <laughs> nice yeah 
It definitely sounds like a Tina book. Oh yeah. Yeah, because she she's all about the behind the scenes uh, commentary, Hollywood stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Not a big uh, fan of Ron Howard anymore, but yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> why was it because he took over and who knows no. what he did on Solo: A Star Wars Story? Or, no, you know? I no no. That's uh, I got iffy about him after he did what two movies with mm-hmm. Russell Crowe and called him his friend, and then when Russell got into that trouble, it was right after Cinderella Man got made, and the so-called friend just cut him off yeah and i'm like yeah you don't need friends like that that you don't even know what the circumstances were and so after that happened i was like no and ron howard his directing career has kind of gone down the toilet so i'm like you know what that's karma for what you did to the man that you called a friend so yeah Oh, I'm going to turn that book then. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to, but... I didn't know any of that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I And when I was packing, I ran across uh, one of my old movie magazines where it was Russell, Ron Howard, and Renee Zellweger on the cover for Cinderella Man. And I said, oh, the good old days before Ron turned his back on me. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my. The one drama. saving the one saving grace of this book might be that it's not just Ron Howard, but Clint Howard as well. I Clint like Howard, Clint. So, Clint's yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, his chapters are hilarious. I yeah. I have to go and finish that. So maybe like, you know, just uh rip out the Ron uh pages <laughs> and just keep the Clint and it just becomes, you know, half a book, but it's Odin it's comes out for parts. book ranging all of a sudden. <laughs> I said you do it, not that you know everyone does it. That's a whole that's a whole other animal. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into Excalibur because I did rewatch it. Okay. And it does, yeah. Um, so I mean, the first thing that I noticed is like at first the the sound is just really bad because you've got all these guys like fighting in full armor and they're screaming at each other and just you know it's just all clank 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 clank. <laughs> And they're trying to scream over all of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just, the beginning is kind of a cluster. But Yeah. Um, and that's one of the many things that, with the, <laughs> begin, with the beginning especially, like focusing on that, because I think that kind of sets the tone and kind of like set the rest of the tone, at least for me in my own experience. And like, yeah, just like with the way everything plays out, everything's happening like very, very quickly. And then there's the whole like, oh, like, you know, use the dragon's breath and, and make me look like so-and-so so that I can sleep with this, you know, with the grain. And it's just like, what? Like, I that's was just what like, happened though. You know, and again, and that's where like, by the end of the film, I was able to like, kind of look at it and say, you know what? I feel like this is a film that its goal was to try and touch upon like so many different aspects of the Arthurian legend in different ways. And I think it does that. Um, but yeah, it's just like that was just very it just I don't know if it translated well in the way that they did it, especially with the very uh, just from my own view, it was very ham fisted acting, like just like very over the top. And also like something about like the color and like the the there was like a haziness to the film, too. Yes. Yeah. Where it just looked so like, I don't know, it, it was like a dream sequence almost in tone and look throughout the entirety of it and i don't i for me it just didn't play very well 
that's what I thought that they were trying to do is to go for this kind of um, glowy, um, you know, everybody's wearing like bright silver or gold. Um, I think they're trying to go for this kind of Camelotish, shiny uh, feeling. Um, it, I mean, it, I think it did win quite a few awards for costumes, and which yeah. I mean, you could see. But oh, sure. um, yeah, I think the the beginning for me seemed a little clunky. Um, but you know, right when it gets into the Arthur part, um, that that's where, it, and of course, seeing Patrick Stewart on a horse like clobbering people. That was always entertaining. Yep. yep. <laughs> I mean, he was the only one who looked like a lot of them didn't look natural when they were fighting. He was the only one who he was like on horseback and swinging his axe around and stuff. He was the only one who looked like he had any experience, like either wearing armor or fighting with heavy weapons like that. Um, he played Guinevere's dad, in case anybody's yeah. not sure who he was. And I, I was very impressed because... Um, it was very clear that he was actually riding the horse and like he was doing it. Like there was some pretty, I would say complex riding going on. And so uh, kudos to, to Sir Patrick Stewart for oh, being yeah. able to, to do that without having the, you know, the close up cam where you can tell, or the far away cam where you can tell that someone else is doing it instead. No, I thought that that was really cool. And yeah, I mean, I think some of the action sequences were, were pretty well done. Uh, as you say, costuming was was brilliant. I do think the costuming was great. Uh, production design, right? Set design, all those elements I think are there. It's just, you know, for me, I think it comes down to the um, direction and the acting that I had issues with personally. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think it had all those, the other elements were there, but I think that if it, if it had been taken by a more, I guess, just a more serious director, it was and, a serious director. It was John <laughs> Borman, who was one go. of the top directors at the time. I'm not saying that he wasn't a top director. <laughs> he did deliverance. Saying, <laughs> I'm just saying what we got came across as just a 80s cheesy movie. Oh, you so, would hate Camelot the musical then. Oh, my goodness. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> but that's a musical, so there's a difference there, right? No, it's, it's, an overall, it's like a three-hour freaking musical. <laughs> That went on and on and on. And it's like, will you hurry up and just commit adultery, Ooh. burn Guinevere at the stake, whatever you're going to do. Gosh. Wow. Guinevere. 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 <laughs> I love that Save musical, Guinevere. And you know I love that musical. <sighs> it's, it's got such good music. It just is not... I, I have sat through the whole movie and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going on forever. It was, was it Richard or Peter O'Toole? It was Richard Harris. Richard Harris played Arthur and no, Robert Goulet didn't play him in a movie. I can't remember who played him in the movie. Was it Franco Nero? Uh, And then of course they had Lynn Redgrave who is just, not Lynn Redgrave, the other Redgrave. I can't think of her name. The the political red grave. <laughs> the one who I'm not great with names, so she's the Vanessa. I Vanessa think it's Vanessa. Yes. Yeah. The one who accepted her Emmy and then got up there and turned the Emmys into her political platform. Right. And yeah. got booed off the stage. Because that's when they still booed people off the stage. Oh, wait. <laughs> I wanted to go back. So, you know. I, I understand your your issues with a lot of the uh, love scenes, but love scenes, the yeah. sex scenes. But, I mean, I I did feel like 
especially the first one, it, it showed how out of his mind that he was for this woman, you know, and then um, the later. Yeah, I mean, I could see the the final one was kind of disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you, you could say that at the very least. <laughs> well, the Guinevere Lancelot one was very, very sweet. Um, but yeah, the, the final one, I was like, did we really need to see that? I don't think so. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, it, it's it's a it's a part of the story. And I will say, like, because they touched on so many different elements, I was able just to to learn things that otherwise I, I really didn't have a lot of knowledge of because I I have not seen a lot of Arthurian um, adaptations before, and no. I you know have have not really it's not been you know, even though I, I like kind of like that, that aspect of, of history, I love historical films that deal with that era of time, I guess, which is why mm-hmm. originally I was kind of excited for a movie like the duel, uh, which, uh, again, I'm you know, still very thankful because if I had issues with, with the scenes in this movie, I can only imagine <laughs> the issues that I would have had with what's portrayed in, um, in the duel. But yeah, I, and I will get back cause, uh, Tina had mentioned something too, that mm-hmm. I, I forgot to, to praise, but, Man, oh man, I will say that the score is fantastic. The score is absolutely phenomenal. For Excalibur, Excalibur. yeah. For Excalibur. Yeah. And a lot of that is from um, uh, from Wagner's Gouda Dameron mm-hmm. and his Siegfried. And that was my introduction to Wagner's ring music was hearing it through Excalibur. Yeah. So, uh, and I love, yeah, I love the first three operas. I don't like Gouda Dameron because it goes on forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have someone else joining us uh, for our discussion. And I, I think, oh, well, uh, okay, K-Man just left. Uh, again, K-Man, I'm sorry if you're still listening to this and, and you just haven't been able to, to connect. But yeah, at no point at any time were we able to hear anything uh, just from your end. Uh, but Mr. Roy is here, and I think he might also be on the road. Uh, I just got home. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we hi. <laughs> yeah, I just literally just got home, just pulled my suitcase and got my laptop out. And <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry for the au- yeah, sorry for the audio quality. I'm literally on a Bluetooth headset right now. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just glad that we can we can hear you. And again, apologies to the K-Man for, for those technical difficulties. Um, but no, yeah, I, I mean, again, you're going to apologize for audio quality. How do you think I, I feel about this voice <laughs> right now? You know, people having to, to listen to it and everything. Um, but, uh, had, have you, so do you have any strong opinions when it comes to Excalibur from 1981? Uh, never seen it. Okay. Can't uh, say I would recommend it wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if you are looking for certain things or if you do generally like uh, Arthurian tales and adaptations, then I think that it might be something that you would enjoy. Cool. I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, for me, it's the acting and, and the direction. Um and I think that the acting part would kind of get fixed if you had a, a director. And I know that again, he he may be he may have been a top director at the time, but I don't know. I think if it had been approached as more of a a drama, if you know what I mean, I think it mm-hmm. may have been. I don't know. I think I would have received it a little bit better than what it was. It just again, it just came off for me. It came off just as very hokey, if that makes sense. 
that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, when I went back and I rewatched King Arthur with Clive Owen, yeah. I kind of went back and I was like, Oh, that was interesting. I went back and did um, some like research on King Arthur, and apparently, it's it's kind of the story's kind of like fan fiction, where people have mm. just added on to the story over the years. I mean, it, it started out with just King Arthur, and then they added Lancelot later, and then even later they added the Grail quest. So this, you know, mm. and then the musical added stuff also. So it's it's just kind of a story that's just evolved with the times. Yeah. So. Which is interesting because you mentioned that version of King Arthur, which personally I actually uh, am a fan of, not because mm-hmm. it's necessarily true to the story by any means, but it's just, again, it, it, it's, it's played as, um, as like, it's played as a film that I generally like, uh, again, it, it's just a mm-hmm. bit more serious in tone. It also kind of introduces certain actors who it was like really their first big role, I think. So I, I thought that that was a really cool thing to see there too. Um, but also what I do find interesting, as you just mentioned though, is that, you know, this kind of this fan fiction, uh, uh, build up over time. Cause one of the things you see at the beginning of the movie is that, you know, new information has been uncovered. And so this is going to tell, you know, the story, like it's never been told before. And I don't, I, I, I never really looked into just how accurate that was or whether or not like it's based on any actual like research or data. Um, but I do find it interesting that it does try to play itself off as being like more realistic or more true to the tale, um, mm-hmm. in, in certain ways. And I, again, I'm not saying it does that, but it's interesting how that's one of the selling points. Yeah, it was, you know, it was an interesting movie if you take it out of the whole King Arthur thing. And, yeah. you know, I was like, this isn't set in the correct time period, you know, when I was younger, <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm just like, Hey, that was a pretty fun movie, you know? So. Yeah. But it, yeah. it, I think I think I did see an article somewhere where they think that the actual King Arthur might have lived long long before they actually thought that he did. So mm-hmm. who yeah. knows? Yeah, so, you're finding more. We're finding more information all the time about a wide variety of things. So you know, it doesn't surprise me that we're getting you know more and more information about this. Stuff. I'm not willing to die on the King Arthur Hill. So oh yeah, it, yeah. It, any interpretation that somebody wants to do is fine. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no doubt about it. And uh, Dolores Ed, I have not seen the new Robert the Bruce movie. Um, I didn't know that there was. I haven't seen the old Robert the Bruce movie, so um, I, I wouldn't. I saw that was in the in the comments. Um, and uh, Snorpuba says, having worn medieval armor in real life, I can inform <gasps> you that it's not made of lovemaking. Even when you fight in it, it's not unusual to get little gouges and oopsies from your own armor. Damn. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. That is huh. incredibly interesting. There's that comment um, from uh, from Snorapupus. Uh, mm. Thank you again for being here, Snorapupus. So uh, I guess Tina, yeah, where where are we wrong on this? <laughs> on what? <laughs> At least I guess I guess more so. You know, I was saying we, but I, I think that I, I, I'm assuming Laura that you like this probably a lot more than I do as far as Excalibur. Mm, yeah, I think your your points are valid. I mean, yeah, definitely. So I guess where am I wrong then, Tina, on <laughs> the acting and directing part? Because it's a romantic fantasy. Okay. It is based on a French literature. Like Laura said, yeah, that's one of those tales. It's like Robin Hood. Everybody's kind of added to it over time. I've never had an issue with it. I don't think there's anybody in my family who's ever had an issue with it. So... I just think it's a strong movie on pretty much every point. Now, there are a few 
moments that I think the pacing kind of fell off. I think during the Grail uh, quest, the pacing kind of went off a little bit, but then it picks right back up again. So no, it's not a perfect movie, but I think it's strong on, on every element. And I don't have the cast list in front of me, but the, uh, the actor who played Arthur, they didn't cast a younger actor and then get an older actor when Arthur matured. They used the same actor. He was in Lion in Winter. He played uh, Prince John. Henry II's favorite. Um, and of course you had Patrick Stewart, Liam Neeson. He's kind of off in the background. I think that was one of his first roles. Yeah, Kieran um, Hines, Kieran Hines in it as well. Yeah. And so you had all these really good English actors that either had experience or they were coming up. Uh, the actress who played Guinevere, I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff. I actually caught her on an episode of Midsummer Murders. I saw her name in the in the credits, and I was like, I thought she looked familiar, but of course she was a little bit older. But no, I've never I've never had an issue with it. I, I think Oliver Harper on his YouTube channel, he did do an analysis of the movie, and he said the older he got, the more he appreciated it. When he first saw it when he was younger. He said it kind of went over his head, but then the older he got, the more he appreciated it. Uh, but no, I'm looking forward to watching the copy that Andrew gave me, which is like an ultimate special edition. I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, I t was telling my uh, my youngest sister, I was telling her about getting it and she was like, I'm jealous. <laughs> so um I love yeah. how they sh they shown the green light on everything. Like you often see it, like reflecting off of the Excalibur. There's yes. kind of this green sub subtones in the light. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah, and I know a lot of it was not like what we would call CGI. Uh, a lot of it was done. It's practical. So that's just my take on it i've just never had i've never had an issue with it from the first time i ever saw it it just sparked my imagination because i already liked arthurian legend anyway yeah i think when they went back in and added a lot of the sound effects there's there's a lot to be um criticized there you know because yeah. you have all these knights like slamming into each other yeah and yeah yeah dialogue and it just yeah. tick, 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 tick. like you know like the, <laughs> the stereotypical fighting sounds right like tick, 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 you know ding, ding, don't, ding, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, i will say this much though like you know going back to the actors i'm not yeah because i it, i don't know if that was lost or not but i think that as far as the actors go it's got a great cast. Like the cast of this movie is phenomenal. Like Helen Mirren, young Helen Mirren. Oh, I uh, forgot about which, Helen Mirren. I don't think I've ever seen a young Helen Mirren before, to be honest. Um, so like, cause I, I just haven't watched a lot of her early filmography, but young uh, Helen Mirren in this movie uh, playing uh, Morgana. And I thought that that was, uh, I thought that she did a, a very good job. And, and again, all the actors, it's just, it's more, I guess the, um, Again, it's just that overall tone. And it really, I think it really comes down to like subjective. I will say you had a word or expression that I think kind of helps to alleviate some of my criticism. And that is that you use the word that it is a, it's a medieval fantasy. And I think that that 
you know, because fantasy genre is one where I guess I'm more used to uh, like fantasy films that are not necessarily based in like historical thought or, or you know, not based in necessarily uh, certain kinds of uh, I, I, I'm, I'm more used to it being something that is is not as grounded in reality, I guess you could say. So I guess that's why for me, it kind of clashed a bit, mm. you know? Mm. And so, but you explaining as I think that definitely helps to explain kind of the overall tone uh, that, that the film had. But before going back uh, to that discussion, uh, K-Man, uh, are you with us? Uh, can try it one more time. All right. Hello. We hear you now. Hello. How, how clear can you hear me? Uh, can hear you pretty clearly, and I think it's the loudest that we've gotten so far. Yeah, well, uh, I ended up changing around, because I got two laptops with me. I changed around to a second one. Okay. It seems to be doing better, but good. we'll see. All right, gotcha. Well, welcome. And also, uh, someone that just uh, came into uh, the backstage is, is actually a newer uh, member of The Chosen, uh, and that is Dolores Ed. Dolores hey, Ed, how's it, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. Is there any kind of echo at all? No. Not that I can hear yet. Awesome. Be I, I, I just keep thinking that I'm waiting for that boomer voice you do, Odin, because I don't know how to use any of this whatsoever. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be able to do the boomer voice today anyway, uh, because I can barely speak in my own voice uh, today. <laughs> but uh, thanks for thanks for jumping in. Uh, no problem. And, yeah, Absolutely. And um, so, uh, K-Man, have you seen uh, Excalibur? And if so, are, do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, it's been many years ago since I've seen it. Uh, uh, pretty much, uh, I've agreed with a lot of the points that y'all made so far, like with the scoring and all that. Uh, actors, they pretty much... Uh, a lot of them was that was like the first movies where that I had first ever witnessed anything they did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, if you hear them rumbling in the background, motorcycle just going by. <laughs> That's say, cool. Say, it's actually not 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 being picked up there. So, yeah. All right. Uh, as far as Excalibur goes, I'll have to. Uh, Go back and rewatch it before I can give my full thoughts on it. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Dolores Ed, have have you uh, ever seen Excalibur nineteen eighty one? I want to say that I've seen it. It was one of those, you know, back in the day kind of deals. But uh, I, I've seen the newest one. I want to either that or I'm mixing it up with uh, Tina's favorite guy, Richie um, King Arthur. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It's starting to blur to the to the point where if I say something, it's like, oh man, I think that's King Arthur, and I don't want Tina to get on a rant. You know. <laughs> we live for Tina rants here. We live for Tina. Rants. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you used to see Excalibur on the TV a lot, and I really I have not yeah. seen it on TV at all lately. Yeah, because I, uh, you know, it's interesting how you mentioned like the you know confusing it with another thing. Um, I will say that throughout this movie, uh, because it had more of those fantasy vibes to it, and and I guess for me it, it came across as more cheesy. I just kept getting reminded of, oh, so this is where 
Monty Python picked this thing up from. Like, like, oh, this is where, you know, this aspect, because I, I, I felt like in certain ways and um, maybe I'm, you know, I, I, I'm assuming that uh, Holy Grail, wasn't that made in the 70s? Yes. So that film being made in the 70s, um, I'm wondering if it had any impact on this movie, because there were certain things where I'm like, I don't know, like there were, the way it was being presented, I was kind of like, I feel like they're connected in a certain way. I don't quite know why. Hmm. I yeah. got that feeling when the peasants were digging in the in the ditch yes. with the sticks. I yes. was like, hmm. <laughs> I was like thinking the mud. I was just like, oh, I'm just waiting for a speech about oppression and every. I I just was so like, yes, I, that's exactly one of the scenes I was talking. I was thinking about. There's some really good souls over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do you do? <laughs> Oh, it's such, such great. The other thing that I think comes to the mind is that a series they did called Merlin. I don't know if any of y'all had watched the BBC series Merlin. With Sam Neill? No. Wait. Oh. No. Is that the one where it's the young boy? He's kind yes. of got high cheekbones. and Yes. It's John- a young Merlin. Very. Yeah. It's like they have it where Merlin yeah. and Arthur are like the same age. Yeah. I have, so, seen, I have seen that. And John Hurt played the dragon. Yes, he played the voice of the dragon. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, no, Masa, Sam Neill is a movie. Or I guess he meant the, the one that <laughs> thinking of was the movie. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, well, I think we've, we've, we've uh, gotten through the Excalibur discussion. And again, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's something where, you know, it's going to be, you know, kind of like to each their own, right? Everyone has different favorites. You know, I, for instance, enjoy things like the Fast and Furious franchise. And uh, I know that there are others that don't, you know, so I think that there are going to be some just general disagreements because we we all have different tastes. And some um, of us prefer the Mission Impossible TV show, and yes. others prefer the one with little Tommy Maypother. Yes, absolutely. it's all good. Group hug. We're all friends. Group hug. <laughs> we're all we're all still friends here. Um, so, uh, Laura, any other films that you had wanted to talk about? Oh no, I think we we did a good coverage of the. Uh, I'm glad I rewatched that King Arthur movie um, from what 2004. Yeah, you know, I just I just couldn't get over the like little 19 year old. Uh, Oh God! What's her name? Help me, Tina. Uh, oh. Pirates of the Caribbean girl. Oh, um, uh, 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 Skeletor. Knightley. Yeah. Skeletor. Wow. She look is at skinny. her. Wow. Look, look at her from a couple of angles. My mother. That was the first thing my mother said. Was she looks like Skeletor when she turns a certain way? And I said, Oh my God, she does. <sighs> anyway. Asgard. <laughs> Asgard does not promote body shaming in any way, shape, or form. I disavow and disassociate myself with the Empress of the Universe. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to laugh at that one, though. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, I'm glad I rewatched it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, before uh, going on any further, um, was there so because I I can I could probably only go for another like 30 minutes. So, was there anyone that couldn't and likely won't make the Saturday stream. I won't. So Saturday, probably. So what Tina, time Saturday do we know? Oh, around like one p.m. Eastern. I'll probably be getting ready to head out. Okay. 
Gotcha. I have no problem with coming back on Saturday. If okay. Maybe have a better setup by then. Okay. And then, Mr. Roy, I think you said that you'll be available or should be available? Uh, it's, it's up in the air. I, I'm not up sure. Up in the air. Okay, yeah. gotcha. And then what about you, Dolores said? Yeah, I think um, I'll be pretty good for uh, Saturday. Okay. So uh, what we'll do then is we'll, we'll go then to, to Tina. And oh. uh, Tina, <laughs> I know that you probably have a lot of stuff to, to talk about because uh, for those that don't know, she is our resident uh, film historian. Uh, and with that, she has, um, she always is able to not just watch a lot of films, but also is able to really kind of provide them in their historical context and give kind of deeper insights into them in a way that, uh, you know, most of us could never even dream of, which is why I'm always saying that she should start her own channel. Um, but, uh, anyway, uh, because Tina is, is the most likely to not be here, uh, Tina, uh, yes. anything that you want to talk about? Yeah. I'll zip through the lower level ones first. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Soul Assassin, rewatch Frankenstein Island. It's as bad as we know it is. So um, I looked at, I started watching some Hammer studio movies uh, because I've, I've watched them before and I've seen documentaries on them. I just really haven't sat down and it was like, yeah, I'm going to concentrate on Hammer films. So I saw... Um, well, this is one of my top ones, but I saw Horror of Dracula. That was the first Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing Dracula movie. And it kind of veers away a little bit from the Bram Stoker novel, but it actually works when you see it. And I love the way Christopher Lee plays his Dracula. He's not that suave gentleman that we see from Bela Lugosi. It's just like you, you can see that animal nature in his eyes pretty much from when he enters and he's coming down the staircase to greet Jonathan Harker. And he's like, I'm Dracula. Welcome to my castle. And it's like, oh my gosh, he just took over this entire, entire room with that, his presence. So anyway, so Horror of Dracula, yeah, I had given it four stars, but I also watched Dracula Has Risen from the Grave and I didn't like it as much. Peter Cushing's not in it at all. It's only Christopher Lee. And from what I had read, the reason why Christopher Lee does not have many lines in the movie is that he hated the script so much that he kind of flat out refused to say any lines. <laughs> so that kind of works. But the rest of the actors are not really, they're not up to his level and they're definitely not Peter Cushing. So instead of Van Helsing, we've got a vampire fighting, oh, priest, I guess. No, he would have been like an archbishop or something. Uh, and then we've got this drunken priest who ends up falling in, in with Dracula and is helping him. That was weird. And it's kind of okay, but I just think, it needed a stronger script and it needed Peter Cushing. So I also watched Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing's Mummy, which came out in, I think, the late 50s or early 60s. And Christopher Lee plays Chorus, the Mummy. So they took the name from the later Universal movies with Chorus. Uh, because in the original Karloff movie, he played in Hot Imhotep. 
Uh, but it's basically the same thing. High priest falls in love with princess. They can't be together because she's a high priestess of blah, blah. And then she dies. And then he tries to bring her back from the dead. And so he's punished for that. And then he becomes the mummy later. And I didn't mind the movie, but I the biggest nitpick was the quote-unquote archaeology they were doing in the movie because like after they empty the tomb <laughs> they blow up the entrance and I'm like so uh, the paintings and everything inside the tomb you all don't care about those I guess since you blew up the entrance <laughs> um, they also just hauled everything on back to England and I was like uh, yeah I think the Egyptian government would have to give you permission to do that uh, but otherwise, I, I like Peter Cushing. Um, he's the son of two, ar well, um, his uncle and his dad are both archaeologists. So I like Peter Cushing. I really admired Christopher Lee because he has, he only has lines when they're doing the Egyptian flashback. When he's playing the mummy, he has no lines. He's completely bandaged up. So all of his acting is done through those eyes of his and his hands. So I really have to give him credit for being able to convey what he was trying to do just through that aspect. Uh, okay, my other lousy movies. I saw this is another Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing movie. It was called The Creeping Flesh. And it's kind of faded <laughs> in my mind. But the only thing I can remember is Peter Cushing plays this eccentric anthropologist and he brings this these remains back to England. And he thinks it might be one of the first men that ever existed. And then he accidentally spills water on it and the skeleton remains start growing flesh. Oh, so it's like gremlins. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and Christopher Lee plays his brother and he runs an asylum and then a bunch of other stuff happened. And like I said, the movie's kind of faded because it's just, if it wasn't for them, if they just had two other people in it, nobody would even remember the movie. Only reason why I watched it was because I was like, oh, it's Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. So I, yeah, I didn't care for it. I looked at a movie called The Sphinx, and it was one of those poverty row movies from the early 30s. And if you call a movie The Sphinx, I'm expecting to see something about Egypt in it. And this was set, I think, in New York and they never went to Egypt. And I was like, yeah, this is a big disappointment. And then I saw this movie. I, I think I gave it a half a star. Dang. <laughs> a letterbox. It's called The Oval Portrait or One Minute Before Death. And it's, it's very, 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 very loosely based on the Edgar Allan Poe short story. And I think if Pope saw this movie, he'd be like, you take the name of my story off your lousy movie. I, the half star was for the estate that they filmed it at because the estate was very beautiful and the house was very beautiful. But the story 
I think somebody probably watched Dark Shadows because it came out around the same time frame that that show was on the air. And they were thinking, oh, we're going to do this kind of gothic soap opera story. And that's not what we got. It's just this horrible story about when they go, when they do the flashback, it's about this girl and her father is this abusive Yankee officer because it's said during the Civil War. And then this Confederate is injured and he ends up on the property and she and the housekeeper that I called not Mrs. Danvers, I got a couple of those. Uh, they take care of him while the dad's away fighting the war and him and her fall in love and everything's shot under this horrible 70s yellow, green, red filter that I mentioned orange, lots of oranges in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's just the act. I, it's like somebody got together with their friends and said, I'm going to go over to the Masquerade House and pick up some costumes. Y'all want to make a movie this weekend? <laughs> at least it sounds like a relatively warm film from those color choices. You <laughs> oh, just mentioned. Yeah. 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 Yellow, orange, green. Yeah. I think that was the main yeah. ones. And so by the time it was like after we go through the flashback, then. It's like somebody realized, oh, we've only got like 20 more minutes to to this movie. And so it kind of then turned into The Exorcist, Poltergeist, The Shining, with some necrophilia thrown in. Oh, Lord. I mean, it was implied, but you knew where it was going. Oh, so, so, yeah, that was one I was like, ah, why am I watching this? <laughs> My goodness, that that sounds like a weird combination of movies. It was it was just very it was very strange, and the actors no no one could act. This one woman that was supposed to be playing the a daughter looked as old as the woman who was playing her mother. So that completely took me out of it, and none of the costumes were right. I'm a real stickler for costumes, and I was like, no, it's just. Edgar Allan Poe's rolling in his grave right now. <laughs> so, uh, and the other three-star movie I saw is called Invasion of the Vampires. And there's a good movie in there. It's just a really bad dubbing job. And the guy who arranged the dubbing, I knew his name because I've seen him on a million other movies. K. Gordon Murray. So it, it's a decent movie, but it's just, I think the translations were bad because at one point I was like, okay, are we in Mexico or are we in Germany? Because one character had a German name, but then I found out they were in Mexico because somebody said, oh, they're out at the Hacienda. And I was like, oh, okay, well, so, but why does she have a German name? <laughs> but I think that had a lot to do with whoever was doing the translation whoever wrote the script for the dubbing but it's very atmospheric it's in black it's shot in black and white there's some decent camera work i think the actors when you see their body movements and everything you can tell that they they know what they're doing it's just what's coming out of their mouths and the 
a lot of times the mouths weren't even moving and there were lines still coming out. <laughs> so I would like to see a subtitled version of this movie because I, I think it's probably a good movie. So anyway, so that was Invasion of the Vampires. I would just recommend, yeah, don't watch an English dub because it's pretty, pretty bad. And Dolores, that's the one I was joking with you about where the doctor says to Mexican Mrs. Danvers, uh, that man must be a moron. All he can do is grunt. He must be a moron. And she says he's not a, he is not certainly a moron because uh, uh, he just cannot speak. And then the doctor says, you mean he has no tongue? And she was like, well, that's what happens when you talk too much in this place. And I was like, I know that wasn't the original. <laughs> yeah, you got to love subtitles when it comes to that sort of thing. Oh, my gosh. It was it was terrible. But yeah, I would love to see the movie in the Spanish language with the subtitles because I, I think it's a good movie. Mm -hmm. So that was why I gave it three stars. I didn't blame the dubbing on it. Okay, so my top movies that I saw over the last month, I've already mentioned Horror Dracula with uh, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. I watched uh, Mystery of the Wax Museum. Faye Ray is in it, but she mm, was not as well known as she became after she did King Kong. She was still kind of uh, a minor player. Uh, even though she she kind of had a career in silent movies, I know she was in. Uh, she made a movie for Eric von Stroheim, and he thought so highly of her, she was his leading lady in it. Uh, but uh, I kept thinking, "Wow, Faye Ray hasn't come into this movie yet," and she, I think, about fifteen twenty minutes into it. Uh, there's kind of a Rosalind Russell type girl reporter who's actually the lead, but um, it's about a wax, yeah, about a wax museum. Uh, the sculptor he does these beautiful works, and his business partner decides that, yeah, they're broke, and a way for them to make some money is to burn down the museum and collect the insurance. And Lionel Atwell gets injured uh, because they're battling. He doesn't want the guy to, you know, set the place on fire. And then it jumps forward a few years and Lionel Atwell has now set up a museum in, I think they were in New York. And it kind of goes from there. Um, and there's some other things that I won't go into because they would kind of spoil the movie, but there's a big mystery surrounding things. So it's a it's a really good movie. If you want to see Faye Raid in her pre-King Kong days, yeah, I would highly recommend it. Uh, let's see. I watched The Maltese Falcon. Gave that five stars because it's great. I mean, it's classic, you know. It's a classic. Yeah. I caught, this is on HBO Max, Malise, who did the famous uh, uh, Flight to the Moon movie that I guess everybody has seen where the rocket hits oh, yeah, the yeah. moon. There is a like a one minute to 90 second short movie of his called The Infernal Cauldron 
and it's on HBO Max. I don't know if it's on YouTube or not. And it's about two demons, a cauldron, and I guess these bad people. And it's just very quick. But the hand painting that they did is so beautiful. And they get this little story told in, like like I said, 60 to 90 seconds. So that, that was just an interesting little... Yeah, I'm looking at an image from it right now. And yeah. uh, I, I've definitely seen imagery from that before. And uh, again, it's crazy because 1903. Yes, yes. So I just, and I, it seems like they have a few of his little short films on HBO Max. So if, yeah, if anybody just wants to take a look at that and that's going to be early on in movies, uh, like I said, Infernal Cauldron was like 90 seconds, might have been less than that. But that would just give you give you a chance to see it. Uh, what else did I look at? Um, oh, Postman Always Rings Twice, the original, original American version, uh, because Hollywood had not wanted to touch the book for a long time because it was very controversial. And I read that there was a French and an Italian versions that were made either before World War II or during the war. Uh, so the United States, well, Hollywood decided to make one after the war and it's part of film noir. The book was written by the same gentleman, James Cain, who gave us uh, Mildred Pierce and Double Indemnity. But uh, it's about Lana Turner, one of the most beautiful women that ever existed. Uh, she's in kind of a loveless marriage with Cecil Kellaway, which it cracked me up because Cecil Kellaway is English, but he's <laughs> playing American. Or that I think they came up with the reason why uh, he has an English accent. But uh, James, uh, John Garfield, who had a really good career for, he didn't live very long, but he had a really good career. Um, he just kind of plays a homeless dude that he says he has itchy feet. And so he ends up at this diner in uh, California because they've got a help wanted sign out. And so he takes the job and he and Lana Turner fall in love and it just kind of goes from there. And uh, people have always asked, why is it called The Postman Always Rings Twice? Well, they did ask the author. He kind of gave a reason, but you know, it was kind of a throwaway response. Uh, they sort of give a reason in the movie, and once you hear it in the movie, it kind of makes sense. But it's it's not going to be a happy-go-lucky story. It's a, along the lines of like Mildred Pierce and uh, Double Indemnity, but the performances are very strong, and this is one of those cases of you have these two people, and they're on opposite sides of the room, then you you just feel that whatever between them and Lana Turner like I said John Garfield he was I thought he was very attractive in this and he was not one of those like matinee looking stars he was more uh like every man so this he suited this role 
And then when you see some of the, uh, if you read about his life, he grew up in poverty. So, and he was working class. So this role suited him. Uh, so I think it's all, I would say watch it because it's considered a classic. Do not, <laughs> I won't say don't watch the remake with Jack Nicholson and Jessica Lange, but what they had to show in that movie, Lana Turner and John Garfield just hint at, and I think the old movie is a whole lot better because things are implied and there's looks and there's lighting of, you know, lighting a cigarette or something like that. It's just those little subtle things that I, I loved from that era of Hollywood after the, the code, you know, was brought in. But Jack and Jessica, I mean, they're on top of tables and flower canisters are flying and all of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I definitely recommend the older version. I saw uh, After the Thin Man, which is a sequel to The Thin Man. And it stars Myrna Loy and William Powell. They play Nick and Nora Charles. And they are a wealthy couple who saw uh, murders. And I laughed because I thought about Gary because in with this being the sequel, it's just like right after the original Thin Man movie. So Nick and Nora heading back home to California and they live in San Francisco. Their mansion is up on, I think it's Knob Hill. And I thought of Gary because I'm like, look, there's no needles or <laughs> human waste on the sidewalks or anything this is, this is san francisco back in the, the 40s you know the 30s and the 40s when san francisco was still kind of nice so um but yeah after the thin man they saw it, it's uh they saw another murder and they got the adorable dog asta and yes as i've told rosie I want, yeah, Laura, you're right, pre-poo San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Myrna Lloyd and William Powell, they have such chemistry together. And it's one, it's another of those movies where you have to listen because these are not these, these lines where, oh, ha, 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 you know, it's like, they're very witty. And it's the little things that they say to each other. And yes, the two of them do drink a lot. And I did want to be Myrna Loy when I grew up, but I did learn how to make a mean martini because I didn't grow up to be Myrna Loy. So. <laughs> but that was fun. And let's see, what else did I look at? I do uh, want to say, Tina, that yes. you know, you've been talking lately about your uh, love for Christopher Lee, but um, I just saw a two-hour I guess you'd say, you know, the documentary, but the old mad lad Count Dankula did a two hour little stream on Christopher Lee. And he is just one of those people that was at the right time, you know, yes. that he needed to be. It, it's amazing that dude's life. I, I when uh, it came up, I forgot what show I was looking at. And they said, um, you do know that Ian Fleming based James Bond on Christopher Lee. They were, I think, cousins. And everybody was floored. And so I jumped online and was reading about his military career. And that, yeah, he may or may not have been a spy. 
And I knew that Christopher Lee, when he was a kid, I think it was his stepfather and his mother told him, we want you to meet these two gentlemen. And he's a kid. And so they bring him out and they introduce him to these two Russian gentlemen. Yep. These two Russian gentlemen participated in Rasputin's assassination. Yep. yep. Oh my God. <laughs> it, it's crazy because he, he goes into the, you know, from the childhood up to, you know, his sadly his passing. And it's yes. just like this dude lived like uh he, he has the platinum trophy for our, you know, the PlayStation players. He's got the <laughs> platinum trophy of living yes. life. Yeah. You know, he even um, there's a part where he went through the hoops just to marry a girl. And the uh, I guess the uh, the father, he was some kind of lord. I can't remember exactly. Uh-huh. But he basically put Christopher Lee through the ringer just to get his uh, his daughter's hand in marriage. Oh, my God. But that just yeah, when they were talking about that and I was like, I didn't know he and Ian Fleming were related. That just blew me away. And that, and then he was in a Bond movie. Uh, what was it? Uh, um, Golden Gun, The Man with the Golden Gun, I think. I think that's the one, yeah. Yeah, and where he had three nipples, or was it four? Well, anyway, he had more than two nipples. <laughs> three nipples, um, wow. Oh, my gosh. But uh, the other movies that I saw, I saw um, Carl Dreyer's uh, Vampire which has grown on me over the years. The first time I saw it, I didn't particularly care for it, but then I've seen it several more times and it's not for everybody. It, it, it's part talky, it's part silent. It is a horror movie, but I think the audiences, when it came out, they had already seen Lugosi's Dracula and that was what they were expecting and that's not what you get in Vampire. Uh, it's very atmospheric. There are things going on in it that I, I'm not quite sure where he what he was going for, but it works. But it's like you see uh, shadows, say a person will sit down, but there's no shadow and the shadow will walk in later. Or you just see shadows and there are no people in the room. So it's a beautifully done movie. And I think as time has go, gone on, people appreciate it more and more. But... I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you have to see it because I, like I said, it, when I saw it the other day, that was like my fourth viewing of it. So it does get better to me over time, but I, that may not happen to everybody. Mm. And Dreyer, I don't know. I mean, he was very noted back in the silent era, but it's like he did. The Passion of Joan of Arc, which is considered one of the greatest silent movies that was ever made. And he was given the money because the, the studio wanted a big extravaganza. And what he ended up doing was pretty much all the shots in the movie are either medium shots or close-ups. Because he didn't want all that blockbuster feel to the movie. He wanted to concentrate on the characters. And the screenplay, so to speak, was based on the trial transcripts. But the studio was not happy <laughs> with Joan of Arc when they got it. Because it's like, well, where's the battles and stuff? And you just keep doing all these close-up shots. So 
his reputation had kind of been tarnished and then he does vampire and it was like yeah well everything just kind of collapsed after that but well, i'm not sure if you if you know I, i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna try to censor hopefully this is a good word to use <laughs> odin i'm i'm gonna I'm try to censor my best mm-hmm. but actually have, this is something i didn't know about christopher lee he actually um participated unwillingly in a um a soft core mm-hmm. p oh wow okay yeah for that word yeah so yeah uh, I, porn you can say that word oh okay okay as long as <laughs> Sorry, you're not I, I, as long as you're not glorifying <laughs> it or promoting it yes that you can okay. use the word yeah he actually got talked into um they they were like i said it was part of the little you know series that i saw that and he was he got talked in because it was a new premise for a movie and he's like oh yeah this sounds great well they used his voice for the background of that 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 film and it was just crazy to see it. And I saw someone in the comments mention Hammerfell. And, uh, yeah. you know, he's done plenty of great movies for them. And then there was a little tit for tat between both of those also. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's excellent to... I, I can't talk enough after I saw this a couple of days ago. I was like, Christopher Lee is a bad, bad dude, you he know? He was. <laughs> he was. That was the reason why I posted the link to that article about his military career. I put it on discord. Cause I was like, I'm reading it. And I'm like, this is, this is incredible that this guy did all this stuff. And this was just during the war. Right. So, um, but the last movies, these are the last ones I saw. Um, I'll just knock this one out real quick. It's on HBO max. It's called star 80. And before his sister came on the scene and just kind of knocked him off to the side, Eric Roberts was a great actor. He got an Oscar nomination, I think, for Runaway Train with John Voight. And then his sister popped up and everybody forgot, oh, Eric who? And it's like, yeah, he was around before she showed up. Uh, but Star is also stars Midway, uh, granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. And it's based on the true story of Dorothy Stratton. And I remember when this case happened and this kind of threw domestic abuse into the limelight, like it, in a way that no one had ever seen before. Uh, so I'm not giving away any spoilers because it's based on an article called Death of a Playmate. But uh, Dorothy Stratton, she's a young Canadian uh, from Vancouver. Uh, she met this man named Paul Snyder. She was working in a Dairy Queen when he met her. And he saw something in her and decided he was, you know, he's going to make her, you know, big in something. He, I don't even think he knew at that point. And he was a pretty much a sleazebag. Uh, she became a Playboy model. And then she was Playmate of the Year in 1980. Uh, she became involved with director Peter Bogdanovich, possibly was involved with Hugh Hefter, but her husband suddenly realized he was being pushed off to the side because Dorothy was kind of becoming more independent. She actually had some acting talent from what I've heard. Um, but they were going to get a divorce. She made the big mistake of meeting with him and he murdered her and then committed suicide. 
And the reason why the story blew up the way it did was because I don't think the American public had heard a lot about domestic the uh, murder suicide in that sort of way and the whole if I can't have you nobody will I worked way too many of those kind of scenes when I did crime scenes and it was always the same mistake of the woman thinking well I'm gonna go over and try to talk to him and we'll try to talk this out before I go my own way and she never went her own way because he always he always killed her uh, so seeing that, and it had been a while since I had seen the movie, but the performances are so good. Meryl Hemingway was very good. She captured Dorothy Stratton's, like her warmth, her personality, the reason why people liked her. And Eric Roberts captured Paul Snyder being a sleazebag and kind of a, a pimpish nature and a user. And he was never like, the well Dorothy will do this and Dorothy will do that. It's always we, us, us, we, because he was gonna ride her coattails. Uh like when he buys this expensive sports car, he's calling her up on the set numerous times saying, Well, can you uh, all you have to do is just write the check so I can get this car? And it's like, so you're not thinking about her, you're you're spending her money, you're just thinking about yourself. So in a way, it's very tragic. It's like Sharon Tate, because Sharon Tate had talent, and then got her life got cut short. So it's just a it's a very sad story. Uh, so, like I said, I really didn't give any spoilers because it pretty much, if you hear the name Dorothy Stratton, you go online and look it up. You're going to see everything that happened. Um, I know that the writer of the article. She not only blamed Paul Snyder, the husband, she also blamed Hefner because Hefner got Stratton into that life. And she blamed Peter Bogdanovich. So she blamed all three of them as you used this girl, you used her up, and then she got murdered. Bogdanovich later married Dorothy Stratton's youngest sister. I have a lot of questions about that. Uh, helped put her through school, helped put her through modeling school, and then married her, and there was like a 29-year difference in their ages. Ooh. So I, I'm thinking he married her thinking she was Dorothy. That's just my impression. They got divorced, but I'm like, there's something, I don't know. It seems like a lot of obsession there that you felt like, oh, I can marry the baby sister, and I'm getting Dorothy because... Dorothy died on me. So, yeah, it's on HBO Max. And the other other two movies that I will touch on, I love Ghostbusters Afterlife. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I had a blast. We saw it. And me and my brother went to see it. We saw it in XD. Because uh, I don't want to deal with IMAX anymore. I had such a bad IMAX experience with Doom. But Afterlife was just so much fun. And that's what Star Wars fans wanted when they did The Force Awakens and Last Jedi and whatever the third one's called. Uh, that's what we wanted. Don't just throw away and kill off the originals because you want to bring us the new characters. You find a way of making that mesh. 
And yes, I cried at the end. I cried a couple of times and my brother was crying and it was like, but yeah, it was, a, it was a fun time. I love the actress that plays Phoebe and like Laura and, and Olden were saying she was carrying that movie on her back, but she carried it a whole lot better than a lot of grownups do. And I, I was very impressed with her. And I, I hope if she decides to stay in acting, uh, yeah, there you go, Total Recall. Uh, I hope if she decides to stay in acting that she continues to find roles that, you know, suit her so that, you know, she can expand. But yeah, it was great. But my last movie, and this is my favorite movie of the year, because nice. the year's almost up, is Last Night in Soho. Nice. That, I didn't, I saw the trailer, and I wasn't sure what I was going into. And it wasn't until after I saw the movie when I went online, and they were calling it a horror movie. And I said, yes, that's exactly what it became. It became a horror movie. Um. If any of you saw Emma, the most recent version, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, she plays the girl back in the 60s named Sandy. Uh, the modern girl, I cannot remember the actress's name. I apologize. Yeah, I, I, um, same thing with me. I can never remember her name, but more recently she's been in a film called Old. Uh, oh, M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. Yes, um, yes. However, her really great performance, don't watch old because that's a terrible film. I'm not um, going to watch it. Instead, watch her in a great film uh, that is uh, starring Ben Foster. Uh, ben okay. Foster plays her dad, and it is a, um, a movie. And again, I hate when my mind does this to me. Um, but I'm blanking out on uh, without a trace. Leave, leave no trace. Sorry, leave no trace. Leave um, no tra oh, I've heard of that. So okay. it's a 2018 film called Leave No Trace. Uh, it is phenomenal. It is one of my favorite films of the last 10 years. Um, but she is in that movie, and that's where I was. So her name is Thomas and McKenzie. That's um, it. That's so it. Th Thank Thomas you. and McKenzie. Uh, so this is back in 2018, so a few, uh, several years ago. And so she, I already knew that she was talented then. So when I saw the trailer for this movie, like, and and I hope that uh, um, this might be one of the reasons why why you decided to eventually go see it was because I kept saying, like, I, I just really want to see this movie uh, just because of the fact that you have Anya Taylor-Joy, who mm -hmm. is a, just, a, a, again, a triumph of modern acting. And then also uh, Thomason as well, who is also... Uh, fantastic so i'm so glad to hear that you enjoyed this film. i i loved it so much and it, it, it was playing at a little indie theater this is right down the street from me that of course it had closed during the pandemic and then they had announced we don't think we're going to reopen and everybody bruce will know where i'm what i'm talking about but everybody was so sad because I was like, yeah, I, I made a whole lot of happy memories there. I've lost count of how many times I saw Raiders there when it played here for over a year, first run. Only Jaws and Star Wars had done that. And I was like, I would go out there every weekend to see Raiders. And I, I saw Master and Commander there. And it's like, you can get popcorn and a drink for like $7 total. <laughs> and so when they reopened and I saw last night was playing there and I was like, 
I'm going to go see this because the trailer really got me excited. Um, and it's about just a young English girl. She gets accepted into design school. It's going to be her first time in London. She's possibly psychic, but that's kind of open to interpretation. And you already will see it in the trailer. She keeps, I guess, going back to the 60s, but we're not really sure. Is she time traveling? Is it a time vortex? We don't know. Or is she dreaming it? Is she in some kind of a, 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 a lucid dream? And she keeps seeing this young woman named Sandy, who is played by Anya Taylor-Joy. And then things just start getting too real. And that's where the horror aspect comes through. Um, There are a couple of violent scenes in it, but they're not really overdone. It's not like slasher type violence, but it's just like somebody just takes the thread and just keeps tightening it and tightening it. And I kept saying, what else if I know I've seen something else of Edgar Wright's? And so I, I went and looked at his filmography and was like, oh, yeah, I've seen a lot more of his movies than I even realized. Uh, my brother has Baby Driver on Voodoo. So oh, yeah. I, I'm going to I have to see that. I've been intending to just never gotten around to it. It's pretty fantastic. Like the score I, to that movie is phenomenal. I, I have heard that, but that's yeah, why I was going to ask if it was any good. Yeah, yeah, and but last night it was just yeah, it was so good, and a huge thumbs up to Di- Diana Rigg. This is her last movie, and when the movie starts, it says to Diana, and I was like, "What Diana is he talking about?" And then when I saw Diana Rigg was in the movie, I was like, "Oh, this must have been her last movie." So it was. Now, a lot of you youngins will know her from Game of Thrones. I say I have I have the page pulled up right there now. There she is. Oh my God, oh, the Lana Queen Tyrell. of Roses, right yeah. there, the Queen of Thorns, right there. <laughs> oh, but see, I loved her as Emma Peel in the Avengers. Not those, wow. not those MCU Avengers. The 1960s. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the ones I saw in syndication, and I was like, I want to be Mrs. Peel one day because she was tough and she was beautiful and she was elegant and she could beat up people if she needed to. And and yeah, and if you're gonna watch the Avengers, do not under any circumstances watch the one with Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes, the movie <laughs> version. It's terrible go back and watch the original but yeah i uh i was pleasantly surprised and i i was sorry that it was me and another woman were the only people in the theater yeah and i w- i saw the box office and i was like number one the studio released this an indie movie on three thousand screens what kind of sense does that make no uh, I don't think they promoted it well, and I, you know, Edgar Wright's going to be fine, but uh, I just wish more people had seen it. Now it's getting ready to come out on home video. I saw it on that Blu-ray uh, website. I think it's running around thirty-two dollars for the four K. But yeah. I'm definitely. I mean, I'm already like, yeah, this is the movie. I'm gonna. I'm getting it because I, I want this in my collection. But. Yeah, I, I would say of the movies that I saw theatrically this year, 
Last Night in Soho would be number one. Ghostbusters Afterlife would be number two. And yeah. <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong would be number three. And that's oh, just wow. like, that is so <laughs> all over, all over the place. I still want to see The Kingsman because I, I saw the trailer and I was like, well, that looks kind of cool. It looks good. Yeah. It's got Rasputin in it. It's like, I oh, can't yeah. go wrong with Rasputin, you know. So I might see it, but no, of all, everything I've seen last night in Soho is my number one for the year. Nice. So highly recommended. And yeah, that, so that's what I've seen. I'm kind of, as usual, I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, while you were doing that, I decided to do a random uh, giveaway um, of a uh, of Total Recall on 4K Steelbook. I actually just picked it up today. It was cool. on sale at uh, at Best Buy as I was going to pick up a, another copy of Ron as well. Um, <laughs> so I figured, hey, might as well. Uh, so the winner of the giveaway, only two people saw it and entered, uh, but the winner of the giveaway, again, this is the Steelbook. It looks freaking uh, gorgeous, right? It just it looks great, um, and it comes with the 4K, Blu-ray, and also digital copy code as well. Uh, but awesome one, you are the winner. Oh, Good nice! Sir. nice. Congratulations! So, awesome one, congratulations! Claim your prize and uh, email me odinsmovieblog at gmail.com and I'll be able to send that your way. Um, but anyway, uh, we're gonna go ahead and end things here because I was trying to get around the the 3 p.m. Uh, slot. Uh, to end things, uh, just because I uh, one <laughs> knew my voice wasn't going to be able to hold out for for a whole uh, <laughs> for a whole. Uh, usually we do the three hour streams, and I just knew my voice was not going to be able to hold out for it. Um, and also, I need to get th some things ready because my parents are coming in uh, uh -oh. tonight, so I just need to that know, house. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do a little vacuuming, you know, and then of course pick up pick up the little one uh, at about an hour or so. Um, but anyway, I did want to give a shout out to a few people. So uh, first off, Rosetta, uh, she is also uh, sick, um, but has no voice. So she wanted to join today and was not able to. So again, shout out to Rosetta Allen uh, for uh, being a chosen, but she hopefully will be able to join us on Saturday. Uh, that is a reminder. Also, there will be a second one. There'll be a chosen number two stream. Uh, not that kind of number two, but a number two chosen stream. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome for that one. Um, and uh, that will be on Saturday at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So, again, anyone who was on today is welcome to join back again. Uh, but obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll focus on people who were not able to uh, to share uh, their own movie thoughts and uh, weren't able to put, you know, kind of like what they've been watching or things they want to promote, et cetera. So we'll we'll get to everyone else on on Saturday for that. Uh, so also want to shout out, of course, Laura, who was on earlier, but her, her phone was getting really hot um, and wow. so she, she had to jump out, but she's still in the chat modding away. Uh, and of course, uh, Laura is awesome. And also of course, uh, ZK man as well, who had to drop out, you know, he was having all kinds of connection issues. He's on the road. Uh, he will be here for, uh, Saturday though. Uh, so that is awesome. And then, uh, I guess since I, I know Mr. Roy said he, uh, might, it's kind of like hit, hit or miss. Is there anything that you did want to, to share though, just before we wrap things up since, since you're kind of, uh, up in the air for Saturday? Uh, I don't really try to make it on Saturday. I, I really want to talk about Ghostbusters. I okay. saw all four films. So. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah. Don't don't you mean all three? Um, um, yeah. Unfortunately, there's four films that I did. Yeah. Well, I you mean four. three, and then the one was a torture, right, Mister? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, 
I, I think that uh, that the, the other fourth one, it, it it's kind of like Toy Story four. Yeah, they say it exists, but does it really? And, yeah, uh, and I would say no. <laughs> yeah, all I'm gonna say is about. I think within like 20 minutes, I backed out of the film just to check to see if it was labeled a comedy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's 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 funnier talking about it more so than anything else. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that for Saturday. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's that's great. Uh, so um, I'll just go ahead then and and thank again Tina, uh, Mr. Roy, and Dolores Ed, the newest uh, member of Yay! the Chosen, for for joining us. And thank you again, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for jumping on, and uh, can't wait to hear more. Uh, especially uh, as far as you know, movies you've been watching, things you've been you know watching, and your thoughts on that on Saturday as well. So thank you for jumping on today. All right, so absolutely. Uh, so we'll go ahead and end this bad boy. Please make sure you smash that like button before heading out. Light up that fire button on Odyssey. I know a couple people have been watching over there, in or, in or out. Uh, for the one person that chatted over there, uh, TZ Canadian Bear, uh, TZ Canadian Beer, uh, thank you very much for uh, being uh, in that chat over there. And also, huge shout out to everyone on the YouTube side of things as well. Thanks for, for being here uh, and and for having some great conversations in the chat. It's been great seeing y'all. I've been trying to highlight as many comments as I could uh, throughout. And again, uh, again, congratulations to Awesome One for winning uh, the uh, Total Recall 4K Steelbook. And uh, yeah, every now and then, guys, I do do uh, random giveaways. Um, and uh, speaking of that, uh, I do, of course, have a running giveaway going on right now for my Army of Asgard level and above people. So I'm, I'm, ch I'm picking in, uh, you know, more winners as we go on. But I also just want to say, as far as for next month, for December, get ready, because not only do I have another uh, copy of Total Recall for that giveaway, but I also have two copies of Ron on uh, 4K Steelbook. And uh, I, I know I've showed this off earlier, but it is just freaking gorgeous and um i i'm gonna be giving a, a full review of this and also uh because i was also sent the terminator 2 4k steelbook as well and the the releases are just gorgeous i will say though uh you know since some you know there might be some of these copies available some places this is not for terminator 2 this is not a new transfer so this is the same 4k transfer so it has a uh, what's called dnr uh, so like noise reduction essentially. Um, and so basically it, it doesn't look as natural uh, you know, it, it looks quote better, but they do so by basically smoothing, smoothing it out artificially. And obviously for any, you know, film fans, you know, that that's just not, uh, usually a, a preferred method, but if you don't have it on 4k and want to get it on 4k and you also recognize that James Cameron's probably never going to you know touch this movie with being in avatar land, uh, this slip cover alone has me excited again, you take it off and you get the full fledged, uh, uh, Terminator image there and I'm loving Best Buy I, I I don't know if you're watching this or not uh, or if you ever will hear this or if anyone but seriously please keep doing these plastic covers on your steelbooks because for collectors it's just like uh, all the great stuff but anyway shout out to all of my chosen joining me today all those that could not join and for those that that uh, are also supporters but uh, aren't able to join for a wide variety of other reasons as well uh, so uh, for anyone that's on the panel uh, I'm gonna play the uh, end credits and so 
uh, you won't be able to, to hear or talk to anyone while that's going on. So if you need to head out during that time, you're more than welcome to do so. And uh, I won't be able to stay on for like maybe a minute after uh, the video ends. But anyway, thank you all for being here. Uh, please smash the like button, loud the fire button. You're all amazing people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. See you on uh, again for Friday for Friday Night Tights. Uh, and um, I, I might be able to be Friday Night Tights depending on when my parents uh, head out. I think they'll be gone by uh, the time Friday Night Tides goes around. But um, if not then, Saturday morning. So I hope you all have a wonderful and blessed Thanksgiving. Thank you, Laura, for posting that in uh, the chat. So again, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for being my friend. You're welcome for the, the Golden Girls. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> being stuck. Dolores, were you the one that said that it was stuck in your head earlier? Yeah, it's been stuck in my head since I woke up this morning. I haven't even seen Golden Girls in forever. I don't know why it came up. Well, you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> thank uh, you. That's all I'll say. So anyway, you're all amazing people. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge shout out to all of my November Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals members. Starting first off with Patreon, Andrew Hoyle, Animation Commentator, Brandon, Brian P., Christopher Bowman, Dolores Ed, Dion, Father Christopher Miller, Hail to you, Father, Father Damian Cook, Garrett Searles, Harold Francis, Inflamed Wood, Jacob the Juice, JC, Jeffrey Toon, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Gomer Kyle 79, Laura the Modern Major General's Story, Mike Jackson, Mad Mitch Dunaway, Mondo Spieler, Mr. Peabody, On to June, Orange Hat Reviews, Out of Step with Reality, Priscilla Hall, Rosetta Allen, Stan Andrian, Teresa Martin, Theodore Benden, Tina Bojan, and Tina B, the Empress of the Universe. And a shout out to my Subscribestar members, UAB, Mad Dog, Storm Tracker, The R, Fast Reaction, Nosferatu Gatsu, Stan 4, John B, Perpetual Punster, Mr. Roy, Glinzer, J, Alex McCarthy Jr., Dean Heiss, slash the new number two, and J-Rod, the Beer Guru, and of course, ZK man, thank you very much for supporting me over there. And to my three supporters over on locals.com, Kara Tharp, Bifford a Hobbit, and Robert Barnes. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. And if you want your name shout out at the end of every live stream and every video I do on the channel, check out that top link in the description below to find out how to sign up to the various levels that exist, including the most basic level where you get a shout out, the secondary level, the Army of Asgard, where you get that, plus access to a giveaways exclusive server where I give away things like 4Ks and Blu-rays and digital codes, all kinds of stuff, a lot of fun. You then also have the Keeper of the Bifrost level where you get all that stuff, plus access to an exclusive podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger. You get to ask us questions and you get also access to that and the entire library of podcast episodes that we have done. And then there is, of course, the Chosen of Valhalla level where not only do you get all of that, but also in your first month, you get a t-shirt of your choice and sent to you anywhere in the world. Of course, just let me know your size and the color option that you want. It'll be sent to you that first month. And also you get to be featured on 
the once a month chosen of Valhalla live stream where we have a ton of fun talking about movies and projects and all kinds of stuff. Pretty much anything that the chosen wants to talk about is on the table. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, check out that top link. You're all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.